Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The 2021 MLB season is here, and although the seats may not be full, your bankroll has the chance to be. Ray Hoops Peterson has you covered for every game, every day this season, along with comprehensive analysis and angles for getting to the window while celebrating the walk-off winners and blown saves of what will be a wild season. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Ray Peterson. Former Friendly and Low, welcome to Lovely Las Vegas for the Beast Puppeting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson, got a great podcast for you. It's in the second segment. Kevin Brown, he's currently doing work with ESPN Radio. He's actually going to be on the radio call of the Chicago White Sox versus Houston Astros series. He was for game one. He's on there for all five games if it winds up going that far. He's going to be joining me in the second segment. I'm going to discuss with him what wound up going through the mindset of Tony La Russa when he wound up deciding on Lucas Giolito starting game two instead of game one. We're going to be diving into that series. He is someone that also does radio slash TV work for the Baltimore Orioles. So going to no doubt be asking about that American League East showdown that we've got between the Red Sox and the Rays and just going to be taking a look at all the postseason series in general. So we're going to have a great chat with Kevin in the second segment. Then in the final segment, going to give you guys a side total on all four postseason games that we've got for this Friday and a little something you like to call touch them all first things first. Always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. You've got one of two ways we offer these in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GRSCORTY1. Keep in mind, letters EM. They mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Otherwise, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five-star review. Did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today. But with that said, we had a tremendous day of baseball on Thursday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and dive into both of these American League Divisional Series a little bit further. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. The Houston Astros wound up being able to just absolutely fumble the Chicago White Sox by 
count as 6-1. This is one in which I gave up for the New York Post, the over, and of course you wind up having the Astros score six runs in the first five innings, and then nothing after that as it was just a terrible start for Lancelin. He gives up five runs over the course of three and two-thirds innings. From there, Rinaldo Lopez goes two innings, and he winds up giving up a solo home run to Jordan Alvarez, who had north of 30 during the regular season, and Lance McKellis Jr. on the other side for the Houston Astros. A tremendous start. Six and two-thirds innings scoreless. Now, with the Astros, you do want to note that Kendall Graveman and Ryan Presley both wanted pitching in this game. Both wound up pitching 21-plus pitches, with Graveman giving up a run in his inning. Presley, a scoreless inning in Phil I mean, he was used, but only for five pitches, so he should be good to go if needed for today. But take a look at the White Sox, and Garrett Crochet wound up having to go out there for 26 pitches. He winds up delivering a scoreless inning, though. Winds up giving up three hits in the process, and Jose Ruiz was used for 17 pitches, one and a third innings from him, and for the White Sox, one of eight with men in scoring position. The Astros, they wind up going two of eight with men in scoring position, and it made home teams 3-0 and throughout the postseason to that point. And then it was made 4-0 and by the fact that the Tampa Bay Rays wind up taking down the Boston Red Sox by a final of 5-0 as for the Rays, a pair of home runs in this one. Nelson Cruz and Randy Arozarena winds up going yard as you wind up having in this one. Mr. Eduardo Rodriguez get the start and well, he didn't give the start that the Red Sox were looking for. He, Garrett Richards, and Nick Pavetta were used up in the first three innings of this game. And, well, they were three starters for the Red Sox throughout much of the regular season. So that was strange. Rodriguez giving up the two runs in one and two-thirds innings. Richards, just an out of the bullpen, Nick Pavetta. He winds up going four and two-thirds innings, giving up three runs with 73 pitches. So, again, they were going to be seeing him. Too much more of this series. Josh Taylor winds up getting it out of the bullpen. And Adam Adovino winds up getting a scoreless setting for Taylor. Adam Adovino along with Richards. All six pitches are fewer. So conceivably can come back in game two. And for the Tampa Bay Rays. Bunch of guys that knew their role. J.P. Fireisen. Two scoreless innings. He was used for 31 pitches. You wind up having J.T. Chargois and David Robertson. Used 12 and 14 pitches respectively. And their scoreless setting in Shane McClanahan. Five scoreless innings as road teams have now scored a combined four runs in these four postseason games. And if you wound up getting really lucky and you're really held out late on that Red Sox versus Yankees game, you potentially got an over of seven and a half. But you've got, for the most part, three unders and a push throughout the totals in these series. And home teams right now 4-0 absolutely cleaning up. And the favorites in this postseason are out 3-1 with the lone underdog being able to cash the Boston Red Sox in the wildcard game. So that's what we wound up seeing in Major League Baseball yesterday. Now let's turn the page forward to today. And let's talk to Kevin Brown, a man who is doing the broadcast for the Houston Astros and the Chicago White Sox series for ESPN. Going to be looking at that series and just going to be taking a look at this postseason in general with them on the other side right here on the Baseball Winning Podcast with myself, Greg Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. And we're back here in Lovey Las Vegas, the baseball betting podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. It is great to be joined by our guest as this man does an absolutely terrific job as a ESPN and Baltimore Orioles broadcaster. Obviously, the Orioles season is now done, so his main work is right now covering the postseason over there for ESPN. I know that 
He's doing a lot of work in this round of the playoffs with the Chicago White Sox versus the Houston Astros series. So we'll be sure to dive into that as we've got Kevin Brown on the podcast, who you're able to follow at Kevin Brown on Twitter. Now, Kevin on the back of it has two N's. So it's his name, Kevin, the letter N, and then Brown. And that is all together on Twitter. And Kevin, it is a pleasure to have you aboard, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me. Greg, thank you for having me. It is great to have you aboard. And I mentioned it a little bit earlier. You're out there in Houston for the Astros versus the White Sox series. And here in game two, we're going to be seeing Lucas Giolito against Framber Valdez, which I think is an intriguing matchup because you do have a guy in Giolito. I'm sure that many people made the argument. He has been the White Sox best starter, really, the second half of the season. Lance Lynn wound up getting the start in game one. What really came down to Giolito going in game two rather than game one? Because I know that the White Sox actually took a couple days with that decision. Yeah, I think it's just a little bit more experience. Probably Tony La Russa being a little bit more comfortable with a guy in Lance Lynn that he had pitched for him in his final season as manager into this one in the NLCS and the World Series with St. Louis. Yeah, I think Lynn has a little bit longer of a track record, too. I had forgotten, I'm sure a lot of folks had, just how good Lance Lynn was for most of his career because he had that down year in 2018 when he signed the free agent deal with the Twins, went to the Yankees, got hit around in the postseason. You go to Texas and, well, he kind of disappeared because anybody in Texas the last couple of years has more or less disappeared, but he was great. Top six Cy Young the last two years. This has arguably been his best season, I'd say, maybe since... Boy, 2014, maybe with the Cardinals. Look, he's a guy who's thrown in a lot of big games, who has just pitched more innings than Giolito. And I think when the numbers are that similar, teams tend to rely on experience. I think Tony La Russa has shown this year he has tended to rely on experience, and he's wanted to lean on those sorts of guys. So it's a good problem to have. And Dylan Cease has been really good, too. Obviously, there are some injury concerns with Carlos Rodon, but the White Sox top four has been awesome. It's hard to go wrong. I just think Lynn, with a little bit more big game experience, was probably the safer bet and a little bit more of a track record than Giolito. Yep, and to your point on Dylan Cease, I think that it makes all the sense in the world that if he does wind up getting a start, it would be at home just because he has been much better when he has been in Chicago rather than when he's hit the road as well. So going to be very fascinating to see what we get in game two here for Astros versus White Sox because you've got legitimately two of, I would say, the top three slash top four offenses in the American League. And both of them do it a little bit differently. With the Houston Astros, they were the only team in the big leagues to strike out on fewer than 20% of their plate appearances this year. They've got a whole bunch of guys, Jordan Alvarez, Jose Altuve and company, that take you yard and. With the White Sox, this is not a team that's necessarily going to get a bunch of home runs. They were towards the bottom of the league when it comes to home runs on a per-at-bat basis, but they just got a pair of guys in Tim Anderson along Luis Robert who wound up doing a great job hitting above 300. But I do think that the X factor, if there is going to be one for the White Sox in this series, is going to be Yasmani Grandel, who ever since coming off the injured list hit well above a 300. I'm not sure if there's someone else that you're necessarily targeting in this White Sox lineup that could be a difference maker, but I do think that Grandal is a big difference maker for this team. Well, it'll be interesting with me to see if Grandal brings over some previous postseason struggles into this year. Now, I don't know that that's necessarily predictive, but historically in the postseason, Yasmani Grandal has been very poor. He's just 11 for 88 and a 294 on base percentage in his first 36 postseason games. Remember a couple of years ago, 2018, the Dodgers basically replaced him in the starting lineup for the NLCS and the World Series with Austin Barnes, even though Grandal had a terrific offensive year that year. But he leads the big leagues in walk 
walk rate. He was having such an odd season. First couple of months, he was hitting well below 200, but had one of the best on-base percentages <laughs> in baseball. His average is up to 240, which means his on-base is up to 420 because he hasn't stopped walking. But 23 of his 67 hits are home runs. So he seems like the guy that has been the most dangerous along with Luis Robert over the last couple of weeks. The other one I'll point out, it would not be one player, be a platoon. Um, I I think it looks like the White Sox are going to go with Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn. And Gavin Sheets, since coming up September 1st with the expanded rosters, has an OPS of 898. Andrew Vaughn has a 938 OPS against lefties, just a 610 against righties. Sheets is a big power hitting lefty. You throw him against the righties. Vaughn is a big power hitting righty. You throw him against the lefties. DH, I presume, and I think that's a really interesting young platoon that probably hits somewhere in the six, seven, eight range in the White Sox lineup. I agree with you. I think that both of those young guys in Vaughn and Sheets do have a lot of upside for the Chicago White Sox, as we do have Kevin Brown of ESPN along with the Baltimore Orioles broadcast joining me right here on the podcast. And I know that you're a man that you've got a lot of experience calling games out there in the American League East this year. The Boston Red Sox and the Tampa Bay Rays, they set up their matchup with the Red Sox being able to win that one-game wild card. And as we're doing this podcast, we don't know how game one wound up turning out, but I think that it is interesting that in game two, we are going to be seeing Shane Boz go for the Tampa Bay Rays. I've talked with a couple people when it comes to prospecting. I've seen him a little bit myself, and this guy to me is the real deal. At the minor league level, was absolutely magnificent. But you've also got a Boston Red Sox team that, when they get the bats going, we saw this in the American League wildcard game. This is a team that is incredibly dangerous. I'm not sure what your expectations are for this game and the series in general, but I do take a look at the Tampa Bay race. I do think that they've got the number a little bit of the Boston Red Sox, but I think that the Red Sox' best chance of being able to win both game two and the series in general is with the bats, just because I don't know if the pitching is necessarily going to be able to match up with that of the Rays. I have to tell you here, Greg, and you mentioned my Orioles work. I'm a little biased. I called every single one of the 19 Orioles-Rays games this year. The Rays won 18 of those 19. The Orioles had the lead in 10 of their 18 losses. And yet, the Rays are a 26-28 to man zombie unit. I've never seen anything like it. They just claw back from the dead every single time. The weird thing with the Rays offensively, they're in stark contrast to Houston. You just mentioned Houston is the best strikeout rate in baseball at 19%. The Rays struck out 1,542 times. I mean, the Rays led the major leagues this year with their exorbitant strikeout total. We'd have games against the Rays this year where the Orioles would give up nine runs and strike out 12. So that's typically not a big ingredient for postseason success. And it's the one thing that worries me the most. But where I feel confident in the Rays, and I do pick the Rays to win the series, I just think the Rays can beat you in so many different ways. They can throw out a lineup which leaves four lefties on the bench against Eduardo Rodriguez and then they can and Chris Sale and they can throw out a lineup against Nathan Evaldi that leaves four righties on the bench. They've got a couple of big switch hitters, obviously Franco, Francisco Mejia. They have right handers and left handers at every position. They have players that can play three or four or five different positions and they can all play them pretty reasonably well too. So I think the Rays offensively can win basically every matchup. And the one thing that has worried me all year, and I've said this probably every one of the 19 Orioles-Rays games, I've done some variation of this, which is the Rays are incredible. They're an amazing organization. I don't know if they have the starting pitching to win in the postseason. 
trading Rich Hill, losing Tyler Glass now for the season, relying on Michael Waka, Josh Fleming, Ryan Yarbrough. These are not guys you want to see in a postseason game, but I think McClanahan is legitimately very good. Boz is an incredible X factor. And the thing about the Rays, they may wear down by the end. They have so many pitchers that have been hurt throughout the year. I think they had at one point 17 players on the injured list. All 17 were pitchers. They may wear down by the World Series. I think they did last year at a 60-game schedule. I think the way you saw Nick Anderson and a couple of the Rays relievers throw last year, they were worn down. But I don't think they're going to wear down yet. I think if the relievers break down from overuse in the World Series or in the ALCS, wouldn't surprise me. I don't think after a couple of days off with a fresh bullpen, they will wear down against Boston. So I think they reasonably need four innings from their starters, and the bullpen can do the rest for five. So I like the race to win the series pretty comfortably. And what I think is going to be very fascinating is I have a feeling that Drew Rasmussen would wind up getting the start in Game 3, and he has been absolutely amazing ever since they put him into the starting rotation in August. Two runs or fewer given up in every one of his starts. So the Rays, they just keep on unearthing talent. As we do have Kevin Brown of ESPN joining me on the podcast. And I'm a gentleman from the great state of Wisconsin. Game one of the Atlanta Braves and Milwaukee Brewers game is something that pretty much in my contract I have to talk about. Corbin Burns against Charlie Morton. And what I think is really interesting about this series is that typically you take a look at the team with home field advantage and you think, oh, that's going to be able to help them out. You take a look at the Brewers and it's the exact opposite because the Brewers were legitimately one of the best road teams in all of baseball, right around a plus 100 run differential on the road. The run differential at home is a plus four. Now, Corbin Burns is someone that I think deserves the National League Cy Young. He has been that good, but they're also going up against a guy in Charlie Morton that has actually pitched better on the road than he has been at home. So I think of all the series, this one might be the trickiest to take a look at just because with the Brewers and the Braves, I think that you could see the road team in the series win a lot of these games. Yeah. It's a little hard for me to tell in this one, you know, what is noise and what is relevant. I didn't like the way the Brewers ended the season. I didn't think they played very well. Felt like the Cardinals zapped them a lot of their mojo. At the same time, we've seen teams slump into the postseason, take a couple of days and regain their mojo. Doesn't necessarily mean anything, but the Braves are certainly playing much better right now. The Braves certainly have in Charlie Morton one of the great postseason pitchers, really, of this era. And now the Brewers' greatest strength, their pitching staff, is severely weakened by the Devin Williams loss. So there are some really, really good relievers in that bullpen, but who do you trust outside of Josh Hader in October? I'm not sure. The home road thing is really interesting. It's fascinating to go through a whole season where there's that dramatic of a difference. Five games better on the road, about 100 runs, as you said. Atlanta, the better team on the road as well. Will it matter? It's hard for me to say. I do think that these teams are kind of enigmas because their divisions just aren't quite as strong. And it wouldn't surprise me to see San Francisco or LA beat the winner of this series in four or five. Burns, to me, is the best pitcher in the National League this year. I might lean Zach Wheeler for the signing personally just because of all the innings he threw. Certainly the rate statistics for Burns are the best in the game. Atlanta, though, even without Acuna, the way they remade their outfield, the way that Solaire has slugged, the way that they've hit for power up and down, the way that Freeman's rebounded in the second half. I like the Braves a little bit more. This feels like an Atlanta in five to me. Maybe a weird series where Atlanta wins one in Milwaukee, then Milwaukee wins one in Atlanta, (laughs) then Atlanta wins game five on the road. I can definitely see something like that happening. And I do take a look at the recent form of Brandon Woodruff along Freddie Peralta as well. Peralta wound up giving up two runs or fewer in 14 out of his 16 starts prior to going on the injured list. Then off the injured list, three plus and four out of his last five. And Brandon Woodruff 
and his worst month of the year in September as well. So that is something that I'm going to be taking a look at. And Kevin, I know that you're certainly going to be taking a look at the Chicago White Sox and the Houston Astros series as you're out there in the great city of Houston for that. I know that all year long you did a great job on Orioles broadcast. Now your main work is going to be with ESPN for the month of October, and you do an absolutely spectacular job. So love to get people at home, know what you're all going to be doing this month, and how people are able to follow along for the ride on social media and other platforms. Yeah, at Kevin N. Brown on Twitter, at Noble Kevin on Instagram. Uh, not you know claiming that I'm one of nobility at all, it's simply <laughs> that Noble is my middle name. And let's see, yeah, I'll be on... ESPN Radio's coverage of the American League Division Series, Astros-White Sox with Chris Burke. Wonder if Chris Burke will be recognized at all in Minute Maid Park during the postseason. Hmm, we'll see. (laughs) But yeah, very excited about this. It's the first postseason baseball I've ever called, and I'm just thrilled. I cannot wait. This has been a season where a lot of us have called half the games from our ballpark when the teams are in the ballpark and half the games are in the ballpark when the teams are not. We're watching off monitors. So to be able to be at Minute Maid Park and guaranteed rate field, I mean, these crowds are going to be outrageous and the Astros going on the road to full playoff stadium you know 40,000 fans banging trash cans ready for blood it'd be kind of interesting to me to see how they respond to it to see if they embrace the heel as they have been so yeah very very excited about this it's going to be a wonderful series and this is my favorite time of the year this is as good as it gets I am right there with you and it is much deserved for Kevin he does an absolutely terrific job on the call of just baseball games in general whether it be for ESPN whether it be for the Baltimore Orioles a guy that absolutely loves the game a guy that works very hard at being able to study pretty much everything that any team out there on the field has to offer and Kevin was kind enough to join me on the podcast today and it certainly is going to be great to hear his coverage and just watch the postseason in general so big thanks Kevin for joining me right here on the baseball betting podcast and coming up next we've got four playoff games on the betting board for this Friday so I'm going to give you a sign total for all four of them and a little something you like to call touch them all Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. Welcome back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Great to get Kevin Brown on the podcast. Behind the scenes, I've been talking with him for quite a while trying to see if he'd be able to get on the podcast He's someone that he does a lot of work between ESPN and the Baltimore Orioles, which if you want a job that day in and day out requires a lot of travel, requires just a lot of hours in general, join an MLB team's TV and or radio broadcast team. And trust me, you're going to go through it. He said the moment that he would find a little bit of time, he'd be able to join me. He managed to be able to do so, and it is very much appreciated. Guy does an absolutely tremendous job of being able to cover baseball in general, and it was great to get him aboard today. So, big thanks to him. Now it is that time the podcast to give you a sign total on all four postseason games that we've got for this Friday, and a little something like call... Touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that, as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at jarenscordy1. Going to be going in the Las Vegas rotation order. So we're going to be going the two American League games first, then the two National League games, and with American League and National League games, they wind up going in time order. So the first game is going to be the White Sox game, and then when we get to the National League, it'll be the Brewers game, and then the Giants game. So that's the way things work out. So we are going to be beginning with 9-15, 9-16 on the betting board. The Chicago White Sox hit the road to face off against the Houston Astros. 
Framber Valdez is going to be going for the throws, and Lucas Giolito is going to be on the bump for those Southsiders. White Sox are finding themselves as slight underdogs, anywhere between plus 105 and plus 112. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the throws, anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125, as your total is anywhere between... 8 and 7.5. I'm seeing a straight 8.5 out there at DraftKings, but that is heavy juicy under minus 135 over is plus 115. If you're looking at the 8, under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even a minus 105. And on 7.5, flip it. Over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 105. And I trust in from Valdez a whole heck of a lot more than I trust in anyone on the White Sox right now. Well, with Lucas Giolito, I do have a little bit more faith in he than I did in Lance Lynn yesterday, but I still wound up saying the Astros as officially a minus 143-ish favorite because you take a look at Valdez and he's been able to perform very well for the Astros. He does have his walks issues, much like Lance McCullers Jr. did going into the game yesterday, but you take a look at him. He's given up right around .8 home runs per nine innings. This is a guy in Valdez that it gives you right around eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings. Has actually been a little bit worse with a 345 home ERA compared to a 288 road ERA, but still opponents starting at 218 off of him in Houston. He's been able to be relatively effective I do have to give it up for Lucas Giolito. He wound up having a good stretch towards the back half of the season. This is a man that has now given up two runs or fewer in each out of his last three starts. And you really take a look at it. The last time he wound up giving up more than three runs that you have to go all the way back nine starts ago on August 4th. So he has been relatively solid with that regard. And I will say two earned runs or fewer give it up. And now out of his last 13 starts, 11 of them. So he's been good there. And you take a look at Lucas Giolito in general. On the road, 325 road ERA, 381 home ERA. But the White Sox, they wind up having to burn up Garrett Crochet along with Jose Ruiz on the bullpen yesterday. Now they're obviously going to have Liam Hendricks along with Craig Kimbrell available in this one. But you just take a look at this Astros team. And you've got so many guys that are firing all cylinders for this team. You had all these guys give you a batting average of at least a 270. And they all want up having at least 26 home runs in Kyle Tucker, Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve, Jordan Alvarez. This team was the only team in baseball that struck out on fewer than 20% of their at-bats this season. Yoli Gurriel's the guy that's 300. Michael Brantley it's above 300. Alex Bregman wanted missing much of the year. It looks like he's back to his old form. Then you take a look at the Chicago White Sox and I think that they're going to generate more than the one run that they did yesterday. They wound up going 1 of 8 with men in scoring position. They had their opportunities as Luis Robert was able to give the team a pair of it. You've got to figure that Yasmani Grandal is going to bounce back from his all four performances coming off the injury list. Hitting well above a 300. He's been able to give you a home run every 10 or so at bats. I do have my questions with Eloy Menezo. He looked a little bit undisciplined at the plate yesterday. Lurie Garcia, Jose Abreu, these guys wound up hitting between a 260 to a 265 this season along with Yoel Moncada. Moncada does a good job of being able to draw walks as well, but you also take a look at the Houston Astros. They did wind up using up Kendall Graveman and Ryan Presley for 20 plus pitches yesterday, so got to figure that you're probably going to be seeing a little bit of a dosage here of Christian Avier. I've got to think that they're probably going to be looking to, if needed as well, someone like Aimee Garcia and those are a little bit less than trustworthy guys for this bullpen so I did wind up setting this total at an 8.1 so I'm going to be looking at the over in this spot but also like I said, wind up setting the Astros right around a minus 143 so we're going Astros and we're going over in this spot. 917-918 on the bang board you got the Boston Red Sox on the road against the Tampa Bay Rays. 
Now, I am doing this towards the end of the Rays versus Red Sox game, and right now we've only got two lines up. We've got one at DraftKings, and we've got one at Circa, and you've got completely conflicting prices, as it's going to be for the Boston Red Sox, Chris Sale, and Shane Boz going for the Rays. The Rays at DraftKings are minus 120, with the Red Sox at even money at Circa out here in Las Vegas. The Rays are minus 160, and you're getting a plus 146 with the Boston Red Sox. And your total at DraftKings is a 7, over is minus 115, the under is minus 105. At Circa, it's an 8, with the under of minus 115, and the over of minus 105. I live out here in Las Vegas. I tell you right now, I'm going to take the plus 146 here with the Boston Red Sox, because my personal handicap on this game was setting the total at a 7.8, I want to make the Rays a minus 117 favorite. So, if you take a look at the DraftKings line, and you're getting even money, there's not a lot of value there with the Boston Red Sox getting a plus 146 as you can imagine a 46 cent difference that is going to make all the difference in the world I know that many of you guys use books that aren't DraftKings and Circus so this is going to depend a little bit more on your morning line so like I said set the Red Sox at plus 117, the Rays at minus 117, and the total I set is a 7.8. So taking a look at the 8 that I have available to me right now, I'm going to be taking a look at that under. That's a little bit more subject to change. I'll let that play out a little bit more. But you take a look at Chris Sale, and the man in terms of earned runs wound up giving up three or fewer in all but one of his starts. That last start against the Washington Nationals, no doubt, was not good. But even in that start, he only wound up giving up two earned runs. He was just pulled very early from that game. And when you take a look at Chris Sale in general, Obviously, a small sample size did wind up giving up right around 1.3 home runs per nine innings, but did a good job of being able to keep the walks down two and a half walks per nine innings. He was able to get north of 10 strikeouts per nine innings. I really do like what you're able to get out of Shane Boz as well. This is a man that while he was at the minor league level, 12 and a half strikeouts to right around two walks per game. He's got electrifying stuff. He gives you north of 10 strikeouts per nine innings. He wound up having a sub 2-3 ERA at the minor league level and in his three major league starts, gave up three runs in 13 and a third innings against the Blue Jays. He did wind up having won against the Miami Marlins, but also went on the road against the New York Yankees in Yankee Stadium. The fear I have with Boz is that he's probably not going to go long. Even when he was in the minor leagues, he wound up going at max right around five or so innings. So I do think that this is going to be the poo-poo platter, essentially, of Tampa Bay Rays pitchers. You're going to see a lot of guys like J.P. Fireeyes and J.T. Chargois, Shane McClanahan. Whoever winds up not going in the game on... Thursday is probably going to be going here in this one, and you might want to bring some of those guys back. Now, with the Tampa Bay Rays, we were talking about it with our good friend Kevin as well. This is a team that they do have quite a few mashers on this team. you got Brandon Lau, 39 home runs. He wound up having a 340 on base. Mike Zanino, 33 bombs. Nelson Cruz, north of 30 home runs. Austin Meadows, over 100 RBI, 27 home runs. Randy Orozarena, 20 bombs. He wound up hitting a 275 with a 355 on base. Juan Franco wound up having that 43 game on base. And this is a race that had the second most runs per game of any team in the big leagues buying only the Houston Astros. But at the same time, you've got a Boston Red Sox team that they weren't able to get a lot generated yesterday, but you did take a look at this bunch, and you've got a lot of firepower with this team as well. You've got a pair of guys with right around 260 batting average with 30-plus home runs during the regular season and Hunter Renfro along Kyle Schwarber, Rafael Devers, 113 RBI, 38 home runs. This team hits left-handed pitching well. This team hits right-handed pitching relatively well as well. Bobby Dahlbeck was able to emerge towards the back half of the season. He finished up with 25 home runs. Xander Bogarts hits right around at 295. He's able to give you 23 home runs with J.D. Martinez. No question. The injury concerns are there with him, but at the same time, he did wind up getting rostered and with the Red Sox, it is going to be interesting to see how they utilize their bullpen because they did wind up leaving Matt Barnes off the roster, which I 
actually think is a good move. He had north of an ADRA against the Tampa Bay Rays, and you can tell that he was scuffling down the stretch to say the least. And Robles has not given up a run in pretty much his last 30 days. He has been very solid for the Seamouse, and Davis is a little bit shaky, but Ryan Brazier has been able to give you some good innings. Adam Adovino is a little bit up and down, but I mean, if you're giving me plus 146 like we're seeing right now at Circa with the Boston Red Sox, I'm certainly going to take Chris Sale in the spot. Like I said, right now, because of what I have available, targeting that 8 under as well, but set the sold out at a 7.8, and wound up saying the race is a minus 170 favorite. 919, 920 on the betting board is my New York Post play of the day, as the Milwaukee Brewers are going to be playing against the Atlanta Braves. One Coleman Burns is going to be going for the Brewers, and one Charlie Morton is going to be on the bump for the Atlanta Braves. Brewers, anywhere between minus 145 and minus 153 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Bravos, you're going to be getting them anywhere between about a plus 135 to a plus 139, and 7 is your total. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 110. New York Post play of the day is the Brewers. I set them as a minus 155 favorite in this spot. I just think that you can't go against Corbin Burns in this start. Prior to him having his last start of the season against the LA Dodgers. Brewers had won each out of his last 12 starts. Now Burns has actually been a little bit better on the road than he has been at home. 285 home ERA, book 94 road ERA, and opponents starting at 220 off of him in Milwaukee compared to a buck 79 on the road, but still this man leads the league in strikeouts per 9 innings with a little bit north of 12. He wound up giving up right around 1.9-ish walks per 9 innings. Absolutely amazing. 7 home runs giving up 167 innings. I mean the guy has been dominant. And then you take a look at Charlie Martin he has certainly been solid here for the Atlanta Braves, but the Braves are 3-5 and five in his last eight starts. You can tell that Charlie Morton on the road wound up wearing down a little bit towards the end of the year, though by and large, he was still a little bit better on the road than he was at home. 306 road ERA compared to a 361 home ERA, giving up to his four home runs in 88 and a third innings whenever he was pitching on the road. But you take a look at the Milwaukee Brewers. Whenever Willie Adamas was out of the fold for this team, they were right around a 500. When Willie Adamas was in the fold, this team won 66% of their games. I do think that he is as a cheat code for the Milwaukee Brewers as a member of the Brewers. He's hitting right in the neighborhood of about a 285. Wound up being able to slug out 20 home runs in 99 games. He is absolutely magnificent. Rowdy Tellas is someone that wound up being banged up quite a bit ever since getting to Milwaukee. He's been hitting right around a 270 along with Eduardo Escobar. Escobar has been a little bit banged up, but he had 20 home runs while he was with the poopy Arizona Diamondbacks with zero protection whatsoever. So I think that he's going to be able to come through. You've got Avisail Garcia. He's been able to give you 29 home runs. Luis Odias has been able to do a relatively solid job with this Milwaukee Brewers team as well. You take a look at him and he's been able to slug out a bunch of bombs here ever since the all-star break. Christian Yelich has given you nothing, but if you're able to just get even a modicum of the old Christian Yelich, that's going to be very beneficial for the team. And with the Brewers, you do have a little bit of a shaky bullpen, but Corbin Burns being in this game is going to take that out of the equation a little bit more. You still do have a couple guys here you're able to rely upon. Hunter Strickland is a good arm out of the bullpen. Brent Suter actually led the team and wins with 12 of them. And then you've obviously got Josh Hader. And then you take a look at the Atlanta Braves and you do have a pretty solid bullpen. Tyler Manzak ever since the All-Star break right around a 2-5-ish ERA. Jesse Chavez along Luke Jackson have both been able to give this team some solid innings. I do like what you're able to get out of Richard Rodriguez as well. But I do take a look at this spot. I do think that this is a total that is a little bit too low. I set it at a 7.2 so if this were to get to a 7.5 which I don't think is going to be the case then I'd be taking a look at the under but at a 7 I'm going to be tending to go over because I do legitimately think that there's a good chance that this winds up being a 4-3 to three game and this winds up being a push on the total but with that said want to make in the New York Post play of the day the Milwaukee Brewers on the money line as I made them a minus 150
155 favorites as I do think that the man I think should win the Cy Young, Corbin Burns, gets a job done here. And we wrap things up with 921-922 on the betting board. The LA Dodgers hit the road to face off against the San Francisco Giants. Logan Webb is going to be going for the Antes. Meanwhile, Walker Buehler is going to be on the bump for the Dodgers, and the Dodgers are finding themselves anywhere between minus 116 and minus 120 favorites. Meanwhile, you're going to be getting the Giants anywhere between even money and plus 109 with your total on this game at 7 with the 7. Under as juice anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 110. And I want to make in this total 7.3 personally. You take a look at the Dodgers and they have scored 8 plus runs and now 5 out of their last 6 games. And this is a San Francisco Giants team that wound up being at the top of the National League when it comes to home runs per game. Now obviously San Francisco a little bit more of a pitcher friendly ballpark. But you do take a look at Logan Webb and Walker Buehler and both of these guys did wind up having hiccups towards the back half of the season. With Walker Buehler, he had a September ERA by 540, was able to regroup against the Milwaukee Brewers, and he has been a guy that has been able to go deep into games. With Walker Buehler, six-plus innings, pitched in out of his 32 starts 28 of them. I think that that's absolutely massive line. I do feel like Walker Buehler actually deserved a little bit more pub for Cy Young that he wound up getting, but you also take a look at Logan Webb. The San Francisco Giants are 19-2 in his last 21 starts, and Webb has given up three earned runs or fewer in now 18 out of those starts, so he has been able to do a tremendous job there now with Webb. He wound up wearing down a little bit towards the back of the season, but this is a man that has been able to do his best work at home. Buck 96 ERA in San Francisco. He's given up four home runs in 73 in the third innings. Opponents are getting a 213 off of him. A little bit north of nine strikeouts per nine innings. Then you just take a look at the San Francisco Giants and much like you're seeing with our good friends the LA Dodgers. This is a team that they are able to hit a whole bunch of bombs. Now I do believe that Brandon Belt is going to be out of the fold for this entire series so I'm handicapping it as such but you do take a look even without Brandon Belt you've got the bashers on this team. Chris Bryant, Brandon Crawford, Mikey Stremski, Buster Posey, Wilmer Flores, Lamonte Wade, Taron Ruff, all these guys, at least 16 home runs for you, and you've got pretty much all these guys aside from you, Stromsky, hitting at least at 250, so that is absolutely masterful, and then you take a look at the LA Dodgers, I mean, Chris Taylor winds up stepping up for a home run when the team needed it badly, you've got our man, Justin Turner down for what? A long trade Turner down for what? Both of these guys, 20 plus home runs, both of these guys doing a great job of being able to reach base, AJ Pollock really came on towards the back half of the season, and then one of the hottest players in all baseball right now is Corey Seager. You take a look at what he's done over the last 30 days. He said he got 375 with a 455 on base. I mean, my goodness, he has been able to emerge. Nine home runs in that time span as well, so got to give him a lot of credit, but not having their leader in home runs in Max Muncy, I do think does play a little bit of a factor with the Dodgers and the Giants. These teams were one and two with regards to bullpen ERA as well. With the Giants, you've got a whole bunch of guys that are able to give you multiple innings. Someone like a Jarlin Garcia, Dominique Leon. These guys are all absolutely masterful now. Jake McGee and Tyler Rogers do leave a little bit of something to be desired, but then you take a look at the Dodgers as well, and you're going to have potentially guys like Phil Bickford and Alex Vasilla pitching in big spots as well. Bursuto Gratterall was able to get the job done against the Cardinals a couple days ago, but he's got north of a 4 ERA over the last 30 days. Joe Kelly is not a guy that necessarily elicits his confidence. I'll Blake trying. I feel like actually might be the best bullpen piece in this entire series, but you've also got someone like a Tony Gonsolin that you might need to look to as well, so I do take a look at this spot. I do think that the Dodgers should be a very slight favorite. They have been rolling with Logan Webb. 
Webb has just performed all year long in San Francisco. So I'm going to be going with the Giants in this spot. Set of them as a minus one or two favorite. I also made this all 7.3. So we're going to be going over and we're going to be going Giants. And that will wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this Friday. A big thanks to Kevin Brown of ESPN along with the Baltimore Orioles radio and TV coverage for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you've got one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GRNSCORTY1. Keep in mind, letters EM, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five-star review, and I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, which means I'll be coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.